0: to be back after the trip and see the brethren being faithful and continuing and uh, being under the word of god especially in these dark days thank you for being faithful for coming today and hearing the word of god and singing to our great god and savior and fellowshipping around the things of god uh, the bad news is is the lord hasn't come yet The good news is is he's coming soon amen and i hope and pray that you're ready for his coming and that you're number one saved you're a believer and you have the holy ghost in you christ in you the hope of glory and number two that you're walking in his ways that you may hear those words well done my good and faithful servant i don't know about you but i long to hear those words i long to finish with joy hearing the words of my beloved saviour well done pleasing God is one of the greatest achievements I believe a Christian can have in his life salvation is a work of God salvation through us is a work of God but there must be a yielding to the spirit of God as we walk according to his word salvation is the beginning of our uh, walk with God That we may be a people on this side of heaven that will bring glory to God by the way we live, the way way we shine our lights, the way we are uh, simply characterised by the fruit of the Spirit, the way we exhibit a salty life that would penetrate and preserve uh, our uh, lives to the glory of God. Ephesians chapter number 2, I'll read verses 8 to 10 and we'll continue where we left off several weeks ago. The Bible says, "For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, unto good works, which God have before ordained that we should walk in them, that God ordained that we, saved Christians, believers, should walk. In them let's pray father in heaven lord god we come before you this morning and we thank you that we can be gathered together uh, in the house of god made up of god's people thank you father that you've given us the opportunity lord to uh not only be christians but your your children and not only your children but your servants and i pray that every single one of us that is saved and claims the name of jesus christ will be faithful To the work that you have called us there to i pray father that you'd use this sermon to encourage us to be a people that will fulfill what you planned and purposed before the foundation of the world father this sermon will get a hold of our hearts that we would live lives pleasing to you and bring glory to god father i pray that you'd help me convey these truths that are found in your word simply boldly and lovingly In Jesus name amen Amen. several weeks ago we saw that salvation was the gift of God and faith was the means in which to receive the gift of God but we also saw that salvation or the main cause of salvation is that God will make us a holy people that would walk in his ways Uh, we are predestined every single one of us to be conformed into the image of our Savior well, today I want to talk to you about the importance of walking in the good works in which God foreordained that we as Christians should walk in them the Bible says that we are his workmanship in other words we are simply made by God and by his spirit and through the Word of God uh, the salvation that has come to man uh, through the grace of God uh, exhibited through his son that we are his workmanship like God created the world And made and formed the world God wants to continue to form and make every single Christian to be in the image of his dear son Jesus Christ we are a peculiar people God calls us a preacher once said each of our lives is the canvas on which the master is producing a work of art that will fill the everlasting ages with his praise in 2nd Corinthians 5 17 you know it that we are new creatures in Christ old things are passed away behold all things have become what new and so christians are saved unto good works we're not saved by good works but rather we are saved unto good works for we're created in christ jesus unto good works we're not saved as a result of good works we are simply doing good works as a result of being saved and that's the difference a new creature in christ We have a new nature that should be characterized by good works. And so, notice some more passages before I get into the practicality of what these good works are. Notice some more passages that prove to us that our salvation is the beginning of what God wishes to do in our lives. You know this one, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We see the Apostle Paul just simply encouraging, if you will, Timothy. To continue in the word of God. He says all scripture is given by the inspiration, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, of God, and is profitable for what? Doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto what? All good works. And he says that this is the scriptures that made you wise unto salvation. I want you to continue in them, unlike these other people that have a form of godliness. And are characterized by the world, you, Timothy, that have attained unto salvation, need to be characterized by the very thing that God wants you to be in Christ. And so, the scriptures, divine teaching, doctrine, and the reproof thereof, and the correction thereof, and the instruction thereof is supposed to mold us into a people that are characterized by good works. This is what God's called us for. We are instructed to do good with a serious, and sobering disposition paul wrote writes to the church of philippi he says wherefore my beloved as ye have always obeyed not in my presence only but now much more in my absence He look at this he says work out your salvation how what kind of disposition are we supposed to have with fear and with trembling for it is god who worketh in you both to do and to will, or both to will and to do of his what good pleasure so he's simply saying to the church at Philippi who were saved, who were used of God to advance the kingdom of God by supporting a missionary, that continue, not only in my presence, <clears throat> but much more in my absence, to obey and work out uh, your Christian life and what God is doing in your life and how God is simply giving you the desires and the ability to fulfill the very things. Obey and continue to do them. Paul instructs uh, uh, sorry, Paul taught uh, to do good with a circumspect disposition. If you turn to Titus chapter 3, I want you to see this. I think it's important that we see this very clearly, that this pattern of salvation and good works uh, together, uh, they're not separate, they're, they're, they're one package, because this is what God foreordained. Our salvation is supposed to result into something. I think it's very cheap just to claim to have salvation without a result of God working in that person's life to to craft them or to to mold them and make them into something that God foreordained to be. In Titus chapter 3, in verse 4, but after that the kindness and the love of our Savior toward man appeared, look at this, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but how? But by His mercy, He what? He saved us by His his mercy. Uh, And then He goes on to say, by the washing of the regeneration and the renewing and the renewing of the holy ghost which he shed on us abundantly through jesus christ our savior that being justified by his grace we should be made heirs together to the hope of eternal life now this is a faithful saying and these things i will that you affirm how often constantly what does he want us to affirm well, the result of our salvation of course that 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 is freely given by by the grace of god and the mercy of god alone richly in christ jesus he wants us that he goes that that he says this that thou affirm constantly that thou which have believed in god so those that are saved those that have received jesus christ as their savior should what might be careful circumspectly carefully maintain good works notice what he says here these things are good and profitable unto men maintain means to practice with priority so what's the Christian's priority I'm talking about saved Christians we know for an unbeliever his priority is to get saved to get right with God but what's a Christian's priority what's the Christian court to do after he's saved maintain, be careful to maintain good works that good works ought to be characterised in the Christian life. Christian men, along with Titus, a young man, a young pastor, are called to be examples in demonstrating good works. I want you to see Titus chapter two, in verse six. He says, "Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded." He says, "In all things, showing by themselves a pattern of what? Of good works." In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. Not only you young men, but you too, Titus. I want you to be an example to those young men. And these young men, I want you to be examples to the young ladies and to the church that you ought to maintain good works. You ought to be an example of that. If if anybody uh, needs to set an example, it is the workers and the pastors and the leaders. They ought to be an example to the flock as we continue to serve god and honor god as it, uh, we ought to be an example to those little ones the next generation that are coming after us good works be careful to maintain good works and uh and so let me just ask god cause all christians awkward rich and poor bond and free uh, 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 black or white doesn't matter who you are god has called every single christian to maintain good works, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, we are His workmanship, everybody that is saved in Christ Jesus, unto good works which God have before ordained, that we plural, we plural that are saved, should, must, should walk in them. It's a command. It's not an option to consider. It's a command given to Christians. Those that are saved by grace through faith and not of themselves. That we're saved unto good works and every single person ought to live out their Christian life. And so the question is, what kind of work are we to do? So allow me to give you some examples from 1 Timothy, if you will. Go to First Timothy in your Bibles. In First Timothy, I want you to see some examples Paul gives to Timothy. In chapter 2, he gives the examples of women... In chapter 3, he gives the examples of workers. In chapter 5, he gives the examples of widows. And in chapter 6, he gives examples of the wealthy. And so all these four different people groups includes every single one of us here. And godly women, we'll start with godly women. Women are told to do good works, are instructed to. And look at verse 9, chapter number 2. He says, In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel... In other words, he wants them to be modest in the way they dress with shamefacedness. That simply means that they ought to be downcast eyes. She ought to be conducting herself with respect and not have like a boisterous spirit. Uh, and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array. In other words, she ought to focus more on the inward uh, disposition than the outward. And verse 10 but which becometh woman professing godliness with what? With good works. So they profess godliness. They profess that they know God or they want to be like God or or or, or follow after God as de children. They 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 want to follow Him or imitate God. They want to be godlike, godly, Godlike. And so if you profess to be Godlike and follow after God, then you need to have what? Good works. You need to have good works. Now, I believe that this is the New Testament, uh, you know, <clears throat> command to the proverb 31 woman. Now, if we go to Proverb 31, we would see what a godly woman is characterized by and how she manifested good works. In Proverbs chapter 31, verse 11, the Bible uh, teaches us that she cared for her husband. You say, "Is that good work?" Yeah, that's a good work. A woman, a wife, caring for her husband is a good work. Verse eleven: the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of what spoil. She looks after him. She provides for his needs. She takes care of him. She makes, or, makes sure the lunchbox is ready before he heads out to work. Amen. She she wants to make sure that he's taken care of. Not only this. She cared for her children, look at this, and her maidens. She had maidens in the home, she had servants, and, and she served her servants. Isn't that a blessing? What a godly woman that, that demonstrated good works. In verse 15, she riseth also while is yet night, and giveth meat to her household, and a portion to her who? Maidens. Number three, she cared for those who were in need. Look at verse 20. She stretches out her hand to the poor. She stretcheth forth her hands to who? The needy. Anyone in need. She sees a legitimate need and she meets it. That's a good work. Well, that's a godly woman. Prefer- that has good works so a godly woman that that fears the Lord shall be praised uh, uh, and we see that very clearly that's the characteristics and God speaks highly of her the Bible speaks highly of this kind of woman in verse 29 she says many daughters have done virtuously look at this but but this woman thou excellest them all she's the cream of the crop and there's more to, to be said in Proverbs 31 Many believe that this wasn't a literal woman that was just figuratively, but let me just say, even if it was, what's the figure trying to convey? I believe it's a true testimony of a woman who had a son as a, a, a king, who tried to instruct him to be sober-minded, full of wisdom, not with alcohol, amen? And, uh, and this kind of woman is, 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 is no doubt uh, has a heart for God, A heart that fears God, professes godliness, but exhibits good works with them. This is what God wants for every single believer, whether you're an Old Testament saint or a New Testament saint. God has always called for good works. And it's not a dirty word. It's not a taboo word. It's not a word that we should just simply say, just because we're not saved by it doesn't mean we should not do them. And I think we can go to the other extreme and say we're we're saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves, and so therefore good works is not required. No, it is required, especially for those that are saved, especially those that claim the blood of Christ, especially those that are godly and walking after godliness, amen? And now in chapter 3, workers are instructed to do good. Have a look at chapter 3, verse 2 in particular here, mentions the bishop or the pastor, ought to be blameless, chapter 3, verse 2, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, a good behavior. Notice this phrase here, given to what? Given to hospitality. This means that the pastor and Christian workers are to have an open home to host people, to love people, to invite people, strangers alike. It's a form of loving on people and caring for them. And so this is a requirement for pastors and uh, deacons and workers and and, uh, anyone involved in the ministry that should be willing to open their home and and host people for the cause of Christ. Romans chapter 12, he says this, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, in honour, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Look at verse 13. Distributing to the necessities of the saints, Given to what? Hospitality. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. So he's simply saying, don't be forgetful to entertain, to use hospitality to strangers. Invite people in your home and care for them. And, and we know that the, pro, pro, the prominent reason for that is that they would know Christ and see Christ and come to Christ. And so it's so important that we... And it says, "Hefore, thereby some have entertained angels of unawares. I believe this is alluding to how Abraham and Sarah entertained those angels of the Lord that came to them. Unawares. A, you know, this is simply saying that you, you just never know who you might have in your home. <laughs> you just never know who you might be showing uh, this <coughs> benevolent good work to. I wonder how many of us have entertained angels unawares it's an interesting thought sometimes i think about it first peter chapter 4 verse 8 and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves for charity shall cover the multitude of sins use hospitality one to another without what what, what kind of attitude without grudging without murmuring uh, ought not to have a Martha spirit We ought to say, when we have these people coming over, it ought to be a joy for us to serve them. Not to say, oh no, they're coming over again. And we're going to... What kind of attitude is that? That's not Christ-like attitude. By the way, it's the privilege to serve the saints. Amen. And it's an honor to be used of God to serve sinners to come and help them know Christ. It's a privilege. Every man has received, he says this, as every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God and by the way just tells us that it is the grace of God that gives us gifts that we would use to build up one another are you using your gift are you in the house of God are you in fellowship are you working with uh laboring together with God for the cause of Christ it's so important workers laborers together a lot of people want salvation not realizing that salvation makes us into laborers. Second Timothy chapter number 2, soldiers and laborers, students. We have too many students today of the Bible, but not many laborers. But we all, we're called to be all of this, servants of God. As you follow on, Second Timothy chapter 2, we use all these examples that he gives to a Christian. And so number 3, look at chapter number 5, widows are instructed to do good widows a widow is someone that has lost a spouse widows are supported uh, no doubt should be supported by the church those that have lost a spouse and no longer can be supported by the husband uh, there are widows that are simply widows indeed the bible says they ought to be qualified widows and it's interesting the qualification of the widow in order for her to be supported by the church is very detailed now, this gives us a good, you know, uh, sobering uh, attitude to look into her life and see, okay, what's a widow indeed? Who is the widow that we're supposed to support? And if it's, if it's a widow, how much more young men, young women, ought to follow in this kind of widow's steps? So what are they? Let's have a look. Go to 1 Timothy 5, look at verse 9. She should not be uh, younger than 60 years old. So that's one of the qualifications in constantly or consistently supporting a widow it says and let her, let not a widow be taken into the number or under three score years old second of all she must have a good testimony in her marriage having been the wife of one man thirdly she must have a good testimony in the church look at this verse 10 well reported of for for what good work so and and by the way this is not a show you could just see it a city on a hill cannot be hid you know, let your light so shine before men. She's not trying to impress. It's just her way of life. It's, 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 she's living out her Christian life. And you can see her life characterized by that. You can see that she's uh, a servant of God. You can see that she's uh, simply serving the saints. Have a look. Uh, she says she must have raised up her children in the fear of the Lord. She, if she have brought up children. Number five, she must have been given to hospitality. If she have lodged who? Hosted strangers, lots strangers. Uh, uh, number six, she must have a servant spirit. Look, if she have washed the saints, what? Well, back then it was common for uh, the people to walk. They you know, uh, really have, uh, you know, not everyone had the privilege to have a, uh, you know, a car or a horse in their day or a, or, or, or a donkey. Uh, they walked everywhere. And can you imagine as they went into that house, they take their shoes off and their feet are dirty. Well, she would come straight away and she'd make sure a bowl's ready and she'd wash their feet. Uh, it, It was customary that a bowl and a towel would be there. You could wash your own feet, but if you wanted to go the extra mile and be a servant, you'd wash their feet. And she did that. She washed the saints' feet as they came in. And what a humbling thing. And by the way, Jesus taught about that, remember? that the greatest servant leader ought to wash feet, as I have washed your feet. Now, we may not do what she's doing. I guess our culture is different. We wear shoes, but we can try to find ways in in serving one another. There's no doubt about that. And uh, the Bible is filled with different things of how we can serve one another in love. And then number six, uh, sorry, number seven, she must have a compassionate heart. Look at this. If she have relieved the who... The afflicted. She relieves them. She meets a need. She helps them. Number eight, she must have been a diligent worker if she have diligently followed every what? Every good work. Diligently followed every good work. I mean this is God's blueprint for the church, Timothy that if we're ever going to take care of a widow, she needs to be characterized by this. Wow. What an example. You say, oh, that's the that's qualification for a widow, and the description of a widow is, you know, isn't that a bit, like, lengthy, if you will? Isn't, isn't God a bit, no, hang on a minute. That's what, listen, that's what a Christian should be doing. In other words, it's the Christian life. It's normal, brethren. It's, it's normal for a Christian to live like this. It, it's our reasonable service. And we look into those things and we say, okay, well, this is how the Christian life ought to be lived. This is how we ought to uh, walk, and, and this is how we ought to live. And, 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 and we're constantly hearing today, oh, we don't need to do this for salvation, and we don't need to do that for salvation. And I get it, and I understand. But, but those that are saved, this is what we need to be doing. This is how we ought to live. This is the normal Christian life. And then he brings to his attention uh, the wealthy. But before this, let me just say this: widow woman wasn't busy playing the bubble game. She was busy doing the the, the Lord's work. I mean, all the way. I mean, you don't, you know, sometimes don't see this until you're traveling and getting around. But all the way from the airport. To the plane or all, all the way over across the ocean to another country in the Philippines all the way there and all the way back in the airport people you could just walk past they're on their phone and the, some of them playing the bubble game they're just constantly playing the bubble game the bubble game you know just, just they all doing this someone using two hands they're adult people adult people using two hands. Uh brother Will wanted to go and buy a polo shirt with a verse on the polo shirt and the guy was taking his order while playing the game he was doing these ones and i just couldn't work it out like wouldn't you people are so addicted with different trivial things in this life games and games and games that they they're not busy doing what they're supposed to be doing and called to be doing now we don't expect it from the world we were once there but christians playing the bubble game you know constantly on social media constantly watching things and entertainment on youtube and 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 not getting busy trying to encourage someone try to write a uh uh encouraging note to someone sending a verse on their knees praying getting busy trying to do what god has called us to do this widow woman i guarantee you couldn't was was occupying and getting busy with the things that the normal christian life expects from christians Now we go to the wealthy in chapter 6. God also calls the wealthy to do good works. Look at verse 17. He says, charge them that are rich in this world. You say, oh, is there Christians that are rich? Yeah, there is. and There's nothing wrong uh, with being a rich Christian. Joseph Arimathea was a rich believer. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he was waiting for the kingdom to come. He was a believer and and he bought, if you will, uh, a tomb. A brand new tomb that our great Lord, great God uh, could lay in. Yeah, he used his wealth for the, for the ministry, amen. He says, charge them that are rich in the world, that they be not what? Don't be high-minded, don't be proud, don't be lifted up because you have money. Nor trust in what? Uncertain riches. But in the living God who, give us, who give, giveth us richly all things to, what's that word there? Now there's nothing wrong to enjoy life, I don't know about you, but we enjoy some good godly things, there's nothing wrong with that. We don't have to always kind of live, though we suffer as Christians and we do it for the cause of Christ, there are some pockets of times that we can enjoy one another, we can enjoy the good things that God has given us, and listen brethren, it's not a sin, but we ought not to be consumed with them, and nor or, or, you know, get them to control our lives. They're, and especially for the rich that have money don't, you know, they're uncertain riches you don't know when they're going to be taken away from you they're uncertain don't hope in them hope in the living God uh, don't put your mind on it don't, 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 be careful that you don't make your money that your master and Jesus touched on that too in Matthew chapter 6 but he goes on to say in verse 18 that they do what? do good that they be rich in what? all right Rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Now, three things he instructs he, the rich or the wealthy, to do. Simply, it's a threefold application. Being rich in good works means to be diligent in giving to others, willing to get their hands dirty to help others not only in finances but good works willing to get a shovel willing to help someone move there just because they got money and they can buy uh you know uh this or that no you be willing to do good you use your hands to do good and so he's uh even telling the rich because you the more money you buy i mean i remember being in business i was in a bible institute and i was working and and because of the bible college wasn't you know charging fees you know high fees that were just very low part of the requirements was to do some chores around the bible college and uh, at this particular time i was a young man i was about 20 perhaps 26 years old i was looking forward i was in the transition uh, i was earning close to six figures i was suit tie all the rest of it briefcase i was on the go and that mindset you know just out of the will of god i was in transit god was helping me humbling me and so the first chore that i was given in the bible institute was to wash the teachers or the uh yeah yeah, well the 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 lecturers bathroom toilet and that was my first chore i'm thinking i've got money to pay someone to wash these toilets what's going on here and i'm washing the toilets i've got to get to work you know i came here to study I never came to wash toilets. And I remember my tie almost sinking into the bowl and hitting the thing and I'm washing and I'm having this bad attitude. And uh, God was humbling this man that was making money to be a servant and to, and to get his hands dirty. And, uh, and, and thank God for that. I, I, one of the greatest things that I learned in Bible Institute was never to take, it, uh, take for granted the discipline that God was showing me. And not only this, but years later, he weaned me off. He weaned me off. Yeah, brethren... Just because people have money and they're rich doesn't mean they can control others. And that's what we see. We see rich people try to control the poor people and they demand and they give instruction and they never get their hands dirty. And may God help us in our rich country to get our hands dirty and do those tasks that no one wants to do. Amen? And uh, not only this, but ready to distribute. In other words, ready to give. Meaning they were liberal, be, be liberal in your giving, be bountiful in your giving, generous, generous in their giving. Thirdly, willing to communicate. They hear a need, they meet it. They see a need, they meet it. This is the rich, this is the wealthy. These are the people that have money and don't know what to do with it. They hear a need, I wanna meet that need for the glory of God. And by the way, it's a need, not a greed, amen? I reckon rich people ought to discern what's a need and what's a greed. We want to meet the needs of others, not the greeds of others. And may God help us with that wisdom. We need that. God, by the way, will richly reward the wealthy Christian man who lives giving for the glory of God and the good of others. Have a look at the next verse, verse 19. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. That they may lay hold on what? Eternal life. Which is their motivation for living living wealthy christians a life of communicating and doing good and uh, rich if you want to be rich in good works is that bible it's in the bible rich under good works you want to be wealthy be wealthy doing good and by the way the church of god helps us to perfect us and this area, one another, when we meet one another, I want you to he- see Hebrews chapter 10 sometimes we miss verse 24 and we go to verse 25 to encourage people or Christians to be faithful in their assembly, and we ought to but don't miss verse 24, have a look at verse 24, and let us consider one another, to what? provoke unto love and to what? there it is that's not a dirty word keep doing good Keep keep serving, keep giving, keep washing. Yeah, keep let's keep going. Look why. Brethren, this is what we're called to do as Christians. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. How do you know what to give or to meet a need if you're not in the house of God? You're not hearing prayer requests of those that are in need and praying for saints and sinners alike. You don't know. And uh, how are you going to be encouraged if you're not in the house of God? I think it's very important not to forsake the assembling of ourselves for this cause that we encourage and sharpen one another to keep going and keep doing good. We have a society today that many Christians are watching sermons online and, and they cannot get enough online, 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 and they're not even uh, doing good. They're not serving anybody. They're serving self. How do you serve self when you sit and watching different things? Look, listen, even Paul the Apostle, I guarantee you, when he was in those prison cells, was, was making known the gospel to all the palace in Rome. He said that to the Philippi. Even in prison, the Apostle Paul was working by sharing the gospel. What what an example that is. Walking in good works, including the Christian life. Walking in them. Brethren, this is what the grace of God teaches us. I want you to see it as we come to a close in Titus chapter number 2, please. Turn your Bibles to Titus number by God's grace I believe he, God wants to do a work all around teaching us by his grace listen brethren God wants to work on us on our conduct God uh, wants us not only positionally to be holy but also practically to be holy he wants to work on us second of all God wants to work in us This is our character. This is demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, we can only do this when God works on us, putting off, and then God works in us, putting on. And then God wants to work through us. Through us. This is our compassion. This is our calling as Christians. Work on us, in us, and through us to be used of God. And Titus chapter 2, I believe, defines that very clearly. Have a look at verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us, denying ungodliness. Look at this. And what? Worldly lusts. That's what the, brethren, that's what the grace of God teaches us. That we deny things. We leave them off. We put them off. We mortify. God is working on us that we would be a people that are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. He wants to build up our conduct. Uh, uh, he wants us to be holy. This is the whole purpose of salvation. And so we need to leave off. We need to deny these things. This is what the grace of God teaches us. And, and it not only teaches us to leave some things, but to live. Have a look. We should live what? Soberly. By the way, this message like this helps us live soberly. It's the Word of God that perfects us and righteously and godly in this present world. This is God working in us. God working in us the fruit of the Spirit. God working in us those things that please Him. God working in us uh, uh, the, the characteristics of Christ. Working those things that are found in the book of Peter. Add to your faith several characteristics And uh, if we do, we would not be lacking. These are the things that God wants to do. And then looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God of our Savior. This is our motivation. And then gives a description of our salvation. Who gave himself for us that he may redeem us from all iniquity and purify on himself. So what's, what's the whole purpose of giving himself to us? To redeem us from all iniquity. And then what? And purify himself a what? A peculiar people. A masterpiece. Zealous unto good works. Did you notice it didn't finish? Oh, what are you saying? That we need good works to be saved? Doesn't say that. And I'm not saying that. I'm just saying after you're saved, the whole purpose of God for Christians is that we live out the masterpiece of God practically and we be zealous to do good. That's what it says. And he says in verse 15, these things speak, encourage or exhort, look at this, rebuke with all what? Authority, Authority, let no man what? Despise thee. I wonder why he said that. I wonder why. Did you know good works in the Christian life is a big factor covered in the New Testament time and time again? It's a big thing. We ought not to leave it off. As a matter of fact, we ought to hear messages in different ways time and time again that we're reminded what our calling is, brethren. And this is the grace of God that teaches us these wonderful things. It's it's not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a blessing. God has called us to salvation but also to sanctification and someone once said salvation is God turning bad people into good godly people and transforming our slaves of sin with the sons of God and we ought to imitate and emanate and walk as he walked so what do you think is the hindrance to maintaining good works number one I believe it's selfishness in the Christian life 1 Peter chapter 2 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from what? Fleshly lust which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, be buy, they may buy your what? Good works which they shall behold. Glorify God in the day of visitation. Well, the Bible says that they should behold. In other words, they should be able to see it. But you know why people don't see it in the Christian life? You can make every excuse under the sun, my friend, but the root of the problem is self-absorbed living. That's the root of the problem, selfishness. And that's why, Peter says, you need to abstain from fleshly lusts, that war against your soul, and the purpose in which God, in which why God called you out of darkness. And to his marvelous light to show forth his praises unto the glory of God. Second of all, I believe it's false teachers that that are teaching false doctrine. Have a look at 2 Timothy 2. I want you to see this, 2 Timothy chapter number 2. He says to Timothy, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more what? Ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Now, look, listen, very clearly. If you're teaching that there's no resurrection, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, what does Paul say if there's no resurrection on how we should live? Like any other man. Like these people here. If there's no resurrection, we should just, might as well just eat, might as well just drink and be happy, be merry. Live it up, my friend. If life ends at death, then we might as well just live for self. And these false teachers saying it's already gone has disturbed the faith of some because when you, when you live in the light. Uh, in the light of the second coming of Christ and the resurrection, that we're going to be raised up again, and knowing that one day we'll stand before the judgment seat uh, uh, of Christ and we'll be uh, rewarded for the things that we do here in our body, like the wealthy man, as we saw in 1 Timothy 6, then we'll understand that we need to work and occupy, of course with a good motive, but to the honor and glory of God by being selfless. But these people are selfish. There's no resurrection. It's okay, live the way you want. It's all good live for yourself don't live for the glory of god but what did he say first uh corinthians chapter 15 58 therefore my beloved brethren be ye steadfast unmovable always abound in the work of the lord for as much as you know that your labor in the lord is not in vain and it's not your labor in the lord living in the light of the second coming of christ living in the light of the gospel living in the light of the resurrection and the rapture, living in the light of eternity, my friends, helps us work, but false teachers, false teaching hinders those things. It causes the man to live for themselves. And I believe number three is discouragement. Discouragement. Galatians chapter six, verse nine to 10, he says, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. He says, don't be weary in well-doing. You have the opportunity to do good unto all men, not only sinners, but especially the saints. Do it. But we're not seeing any fruit. As a matter of fact, the more you love and the more you care for, the more you're just taken for granted. It doesn't matter. Well, sometimes the Christian is discouraged and they say, what for? God says no. Keep going. Don't be weary in well doing. So what's our motivation then? What would be our encouragement? Let me give you two things. Number one, God is watching. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10, for God is not unrighteous to forget your walk. Look at this. Your work and labour of love which ye have shown towards his name in that ye have ministered to the saints and what? Do minister. Aren't you glad that when at times people may forget God doesn't forget. <laughs> aren't you glad for that? And uh, aren't you glad that at times when people don't notice the good that you do for the glory of God, listen, God notices it and he takes note of it. I'm glad for that. That's an encouragement. You say, well, there's not, I'm not seeing fruit. One day you may see it in heaven. Uh, and I believe that's what matters. Because the, the, the fruit ought not to motivate us. But what ought to be the motivation? The glory of God. Walking in the ways of God and doing good brings glory to God. Every Christian, by the way, who is saved should seek to bring glory to God. You say to the average Christian, what is our main goal here on earth as Christians? To bring glory to God. To bring glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Holy, holy, holy. Yeah, okay, good. I I want to bring glory to God too. But you know how God teaches us to bring glory to him? I want you to see, have a look in Matthew chapter 5. We're almost finished. Look at verse 13. He says, Yeah the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his Saviour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is for therefore good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of man. He says, Yeah, the light of the world, a city on the hill cannot be hid, neither do man light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on the candlestick it giveth light to all that are in the house. And then he goes on to say this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You want to bring glory to God? Do good works. So they may behold your good works. And so what a God that's working his grace into that person's life. And by the way, uh, another thing that brings glory to God is when we preach Christ to others, that's compassion. Having compassion, making a difference. Pulling them out of the fire. And I believe this is one of the golden uh, uh, work of a Christian. Just one beggar telling another beggar, someone once said, where to find bread. But you can't testify if you don't have a testimony. How many people you walk by during the week and not hand, hand out a simple gospel tract or someone that you know and haven't even told them about the Lord once. The Bible says a city on a hill cannot be hid. You don't put it under a bed. Let it shine. Let men see it. And we uphold Christ by the gospel that they may see him and be drawn to him and and know Christ and be saved. A lot of people don't share their faith because they have a rattled faith. They're not sure about their salvation. In John 15, Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so that ye... So shall you be my disciples? You know what's characterised as a disciple, Jesus said? Someone that's bearing fruit for the glory of God. That's what Jesus said. And how's that done? Abide ye in me, for without me you can do nothing. Our walk with God is so important. And I guarantee you, any Christian, any Christian that demonstrates a vibrant walk with God will work. You cannot say, I have a walk with God, and you don't obey God. It it doesn't make any sense. Abraham had a walk with God, and he was called a friend of God, because he believed God, listen to me, and he obeyed God. Ephesians chapter 2. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained. Did you know this was God's idea? God ordained it way before you were ever saved or born. Before ordained means that God determined previously that, he, that beforehand those Christians, those believers that would be saved will live out their Christian life. That's what God determined. He predetermined that we should live holy lives who bring glory to God. That's what Ephesians 1, 3 to 3-4 says before getting to Ephesians chapter 2. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be what? Holy and without blame before him in love. God planned that we should live out our Christian life, be, have transformed lives, that we would be formed not to the world, but to Christ. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. That we might be the firstborn among many brethren. Believers are God's chosen people who are called to live holy lives. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. Whom have saved us and called us with a what? A holy call it, Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Jesus before the world be- began. This is not an ordinary calling, brethren. This is a holy calling. God has called us to be holy in Christ, positionally and practically. A man of God said this. God's purpose in salvation was to redeem his people for himself. People who lived to glorify him. Holy living sees God's view instead of a uh, self-centered view. Holiness ex- expects to find God involved in every facet of life. Holiness consistently turns away from self-pleasing and answers in orders to please God. And like Jim Burke says, there's only two choices on the shelf: pleasing God or pleasing self. And we have, in our modern-day Christianity, that is rampant of a bunch of professing believers. And I would call, for the most part, loudest seeing Christians that are content with their Christianity and not walking and laboring and zealous to live holy lives. God working on us and working in us and working through us. Now unto him that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. We have a shallow Christianity that toes the line But God planned for Christians to be glorious. A glorious church. A light that shines out of darkness. There's a complete distinction. And we ought not to be afraid of the distinction. We ought to be different. We're called to be different. But today you don't know the Christian from the common man. Because they're not living out their Christian life like they should. And if they were, people will look and wonder and see something different. And I'm not talking about being rude and obnoxious. I'm talking about being kind and caring and telling someone about Jesus and loving them and being benevolent and giving. And, and, and we say, well, nothing's going well, it doesn't matter. God sees it, nothing, ha- no, just do it and just keep doing and just keep giving and just keep loving and just keep serving and just let them see Christ in you for no other. And this is what God has called us to do. Not forgetting that the gospel is in view. This is our motive, is pleasing God. The greatest reward to hear in that day is the words of our Savior, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And I long to hear those words while people are fighting, if you will, on the internet and people are fighting amongst themselves I'm going to continue to strive to be a good soldier that pleases God. That's what I want to do. And that's what I want every single child of God in this church to do. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with what? The affairs of this life. That he may please him that has chosen him to be a good soldier. And may God help every one of us that are saved unto good works, live it out, listen, to the glory of God, that we may please him and that day comes and we can say we have. And that's what matters, my friend. And that's what matters right at the end and eternity will determine it. That's when the rubber, as they say, will meet the road. And may God help us by his grace to be faithful laborers doing good for the glory of God. Let's pray.